0: I'm James Brian Smith. Welcome to the Things Above podcast. If you missed the Pod episode or this is your first time listening, this is a podcast for what we call Mind Discipleship. It's a podcast for those who want to set their minds on things above. That's where the name of the podcast comes from, from Colossians 3, 1 and 2, where Paul encourages us to set our minds on things above. Setting our minds on Good, beautiful, and true thoughts on uplifting, encouraging, life-giving, biblically-based thoughts from above is not easy. And that is why we do this podcast, to provide for you in each episode a thought from above that you can dwell upon so that your heart will be warmed and you will become an epiphany of grace. In the last few episodes, I've been walking us through parts of Paul's letter to the Colossians. And in those episodes, I talked about how we are dedicated, how we have been made holy, set apart, sanctified. And in the last episode, I talked about how we've all been qualified, rescued, transferred, redeemed, forgiven, that God's grace has done these amazing things for us. And this is who we are now. But the next verse I want to talk about is in Colossians 2.6, and I'm going to be reading it from the New American Standard Version, and I'm going to explain why. Because the New American Standard Version uses a word that many other translations don't use, and this is the verse. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. Walk in in him. It's an interesting word that Paul uses. It's a Greek word, parapateo, which Paul uses many times. And that's this idea that we are to walk in a certain way on the basis of what God has done for us in Christ. All these things I've been talking about being dedicated, being qualified, these things that grace has done on our behalf. So Paul tells us all this, and then he says, therefore walk in him, or walk in a particular way. As I was reflecting on this verse, I thought about a true story that happened to me many years ago. So, when I was in high school, one of the sports I did was track. I did that in the spring, and I had a track coach that I really liked. His name was Coach Cronin, and 10 years after high school, and I had not seen coach for 10 years, I was at the, the mall up in Boulder, the Pearl Street Mall, and suddenly I feel a tap on my shoulder. I'm thinking, okay, who's this? I turn around, and there it is. It's Coach Cronin. I said, hey, Coach, how's it going? He goes, hey, great, Smith, how you doing? And we chatted for a minute, and he said, you know, it's funny, but I was about 200 yards away, and I turned to my wife, and I said, that's Jim Smith. And I started walking toward you, and I thought, okay, that's weird. Wait a minute. From 200 yards away, you, you knew it was me? He goes, yeah. He said, I know you by your gait. I know you by the way you walk. There it is. Now, it kind of made me wonder, do I walk weird? I, <laughs> is my walk so distinctive that you knew it was me? But this is really true. I work on a college campus and I see people from a distance because the campus is kind of big. And I'll see them pretty far away, 200 yards even. And I'll often know, oh, that's Professor so and so, or that's so. -so." I'll know them by the way they walk. So when Paul says to walk in Christ on the basis of everything that God has done for us, walk in a certain way, he has in mind that you and I are going to conduct our lives in a particular way. That's what that means to walk in a certain way. So, what, what does Paul want us to see? Well, he says this in Colossians 2.6, as I've already read, as therefore you've received Christ Jesus, the Lord. What does that mean? It's everything that I've been saying in the last several episodes. We have received all of these gifts, rescued, redeemed, forgiven, set apart, transferred, all of these things God in Christ has done for you and me. And then he says in Colossians 2.7, we've been rooted and built up and established in the faith. I mean, that's, those are powerful ideas as well. More verbs, right? What has God done? He's rooted us. He's built us up. And then in verse 10 of Colossians 2, he said, you've come to fullness in him who's the head of every ruler and authority. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that everything that we would need, God has provided. That's what it means, come to fullness. There's nothing that we lack. It's hearkening back to Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, which literally in the Hebrew means, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. So we've been rooted and established. We've come to fullness. All of these things are things that God has done for us. And then in verse 12 of Colossians 2, you were buried with him in baptism and raised with him through faith in the power of God. Paul uses this quite a lot to say that baptism symbolizes a dying and a rising, that an old way of life has been put behind us now and we have a new kind of life. And then in verse 13 of Colossians 2, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all of our trespasses. There it is again. We are forgiven. Verse 14, erasing the record that stood against us, nailing it to the cross. Wow, what an image. The idea here is that, you know, a lot of people think, oh, there's some record, some heavenly ledger where all of the things I've ever done wrong are being recorded. Well, even if that's true, and I don't think it is, but even if it were, what Paul's saying here is that. Record has been erased. It was nailed to the cross. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought, my sin, not in part, but the whole, he's nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. That's one of my favorite verses of all time in any hymn from the hymn It's Well With My Soul. And then in verse 15, he says, Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. That's what the cross did. It defeated all of these enemies, the principalities and powers that work against us. That's what I love about Colossians. When you study this, it's why it's my favorite epistle. When you study it, you see all of these verbs, these things that God has done on our behalf. So, putting them all together over the last, now, three episodes, we've been dedicated, made holy, set apart, sanctified, Colossians 1.1. We've been qualified, rescued, transferred, redeemed, Colossians 1.12. We've been rooted, built up, and established, Colossians 2.7. We've been made alive. The old life was buried. We're raised to a new kind of life, Colossians 2.10 and 12. We've been forgiven, the record of sin erased, Colossians 2.14. And all of our enemies have been disarmed, Colossians 2.15. Okay, so now you put all that together. And you look at Colossians 2.6 again, and there you have it. As therefore you've received Christ Jesus, everything I've been talking about, walk in a particular way. Walk in him. Now, where does this come from, this idea of walking? Because it's a strange kind of metaphor for us. How do you say, well, I've been redeemed and forgiven and my enemies have been defeated. How do I walk in that? That doesn't make any sense. How do you walk in that way? Based on those things, well, here's where I've got to turn to my good friend and my favorite New Testament scholar Scott McKnight, who says this: Paul used the term walk peripateo instead of live because he learned the tradition of the Pharisees. Now let me stop there. Remember, Paul was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He says this in Galatians. He tells us he went to the Ivy League school of Pharisees. He studied under a guy named Gamaliel. The leading teacher. So when Paul, now think about, remember I talked about growing up in Hebrew school and getting to go to the next level. Paul was the best of the best of the best. So he learned these traditions. So again, Scott McKnight says he learned the tradition of the Pharisees. And the rulings of the Torah he received were called the halakha. There's a Hebrew term the halakha. That's the Hebrew term for walking according to the Torah. Walking according to the Torah. So think of this. Imagine Paul, he's just a young, he's a boy. He's learning, he's he's being educated in Hebrew school, he's he's learning the way of the Pharisees, and he's hearing this phrase from when he's a little boy on, to walk according to the Torah. So now it makes sense that Paul would use this word in his epistles. Scott McKnight goes on to say, Paul has radically Christologized the halakha under which he was tutored. Paul often uses the term walking as an image of the way of life. So that's what it means, walking as an image of the way of life. Now, so for Paul, it was walking in the way of the Torah. So he's growing up, he's hearing the way of the Torah, which is the law. He's learning this. This is how we are to walk. We walk in this particular way. But now he sees that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Torah. He's the fulfillment of the law. So that's why he can then say confidently, We are now to walk in Christ, walk in him, because he's the embodiment of everything the Torah was and more. Okay, so Jim, how are we supposed to walk in this? If you ask me to boil it down to a single word, I would say this is the word confidence. Walking with confidence and i've done some hebrew i've done some greek might as well do some latin so in latin confidence that's the latin root is con means with and fide which means faith that's where we get the word fidelity so confident means walk with faith that's what it means to walk in confidence with faith in previous episodes i've talked a lot about what faith is faith is an extension of knowledge based on knowledge when you know something's true that's knowledge, then you act in a certain way. You act on that knowledge. That's what faith is. Let's say, for example, you get into an elevator. You get into an elevator and you've never been in it before, but you know how elevators work. So you get in and you push the button of the floor. That's an act of faith. It's an extension of knowledge. I know how elevators are supposed to work. And then you get in. That's an act of faith. Push the button and it goes up to that floor, and then it opens up, and you assume, well, I'm I'm on the right floor. All of that was an act of faith, an act of confidence based on a certain kind of knowledge. So, when I think about Paul telling us to walk in a certain way, what does that mean? It means to walk with confidence, and I like to say it this way, chin up, shoulders back. That's the kind of gate. That's the kind of walk that we're to have. A walk that is confident that God is with me. That all of these things that I've been talking about the last several episodes, rooted, established, forgiven, set apart, made holy, all of these things are true. And if that's true, we should walk with confidence. But note this, not confidence in me, Not confidence in myself, confidence in God. The God who is trustworthy has done all of these things. That's who you are. Therefore, walk in that way. Some of you know that I have a new book out called The Good and Beautiful You. and Over the course of the next several podcasts, I'm going to be talking about that book. I'm going to be speaking about things from within that book. And in many ways, everything I've just said in these last three episodes is what I say in the book, that biblically there are things about who we are, and I want to talk about those. Now, there are 10 chapters, there's actually 11 chapters, but there's an opening chapter and introduction about the soul, but there are 10 things that I want to say in this book that I do say about who you are, who the good and beautiful you that you are actually is. And Here's what they are. Number one, the Trinity is on your side. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is on your side. Number two, God loves you unconditionally. We live in a world where love is very conditional. It's on the basis of things we do, how we look, what we achieve. God loves us without condition, not on the basis of anything we've done. Number three, you have an immortal Divinely designed soul. You are an unceasing spiritual being with an eternal destiny in God's great universe. Number four, you have an amazing body. It's been fearfully and wonderfully made. I can already hear some of you going, Well, my body, I wish it was this or that. But the truth is, your body is amazing. It is taking in air, it is breathing, and blood is being pushed through your body, and it's just stunning. I can't even understand a single cell of my body. It's amazing. But that's a gift. Number five, you've been forgiven for all your sins, past, present, and future. That's the glory of the cross. Everything that you have done wrong has been forgiven by Jesus, past, present, and future. That's a wonderful gift. Number six, you've been made alive by the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus didn't Just rise from the dead to show off, to say, Look, I can do this. I I defeated death. He rose from the dead so that he can give his life to you. So that when you put your confidence in him, his very life is in you. Number seven, you live in the strong and unshakable kingdom of God. Hebrews 1 says, We live in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. That is the truth of where you and I now live. The kingdom of God's never in trouble. Number eight, you are on a sacred journey. Your story matters. God chose for you to be born in a particular time and place and family and culture and body, and you are important to God. Your story matters and you are on a sacred journey. Number nine, you have a divine calling. Now, as I said in a previous episode, some of you say, Well, I'm not called to professional ministry. That's fine. Not many are. But, Every one of us has a divine calling, a vocation. Vocare is a Latin word means called. We're called to do something. And what is that? To give glory to God in everything that we do, no matter what your profession is. And finally, number 10, you will live forever with Jesus in glory. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Colossians 3, 4. That's the truth. You were designed to live forever. You're an unceasing spiritual being. All of these are truths about who you are, and I'm going to unpack all of those this season as we look at what it means to be a person, to discover the person Jesus created you to be. Now, folks, let me just say this. There's only one thing that can get in the way, self-limiting beliefs. Brian Tracy said this, the biggest obstacle to creating a wonderful life Self limiting beliefs. A self limiting belief is an idea you have that you're limited in some way in terms of time, talent, intelligence, money, ability, or opportunity. And we live with those. That is setting our minds on things below. Those self limiting beliefs. Well, I can't do this. I'm not good enough at that. I, there's no way that. No, no, no. Everything I just said is true about you. And that's why Paul can say in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So, attend to your posture. Stand tall. Walk with confidence. Be bold. Be strong. Let your light shine. Be bold because Jesus is with you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I hope you join me next time. Until then, you can find me on Twitter and Facebook at James Brian Smith. And you can learn more about this podcast. And if you'd like to donate to the Things About podcast, you can do so on our website, ApprenticeInstitute.org. Click the Donate Now button at the top of the page. It's really easy. And it would mean a lot to me. If you enjoyed this episode, please share with a friend. And you can also subscribe, which means you're going to get them automatically each week. My hope, as always, is that one day if you're asked, what's on your mind, your answer will be, things above.